Good morning. How was everyone today? Good? Awesome. I heard one whoop, whoop. Anybody else? Got a whoop? Yeah, awesome. I love that. So good to see you guys this morning. I am, I am so happy uh, just to be up here with you again today. Um, today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, that's page 679, 679 if you're using one of our Bibles. Matthew chapter 7, page 679. Uh, the, the text that we're going to see today is really a, a story and a picture about opportunities and making the most of opportunities. And all of us have kind of had a moment in our lives where opportunities have come and we've either seized it or we haven't. And I'm guessing that many of us have probably had moments where we've missed opportunities. As I was thinking about this, I have a very clear memory of an opportunity that I missed. Uh, it was in fifth grade. I was 11 years old, so you can imagine it was a major opportunity, right? But so when I was in elementary school, I don't know if they still do this, but schools used to rent out roller skating rinks. And uh, we would go at night and parents would drop off their kids at the skating rink and you could skate all night, you know, skate your brains out. It was super fun. And there was this one moment that everybody kind of dreaded and it was when the fast music slowed down and the lights dimmed and you knew it was couple skate time. I heard some chuckles. Everyone knows that moment, right? So I remember this night, fifth grade, I'm 11 years old, couple skate time came up. I got off the rink. I'm like, this is not my thing. You know, I got to get out of here. Nobody wants to skate with me. I'm standing there with my best bud and we're just kind of watching all the other awkward 11 and 12 year olds skate around the rink, holding hands, not looking at each other. And suddenly I see the, the cutest girl in fifth grade. She's skating towards me with her best friend. And she gets real close. She skates right up to us. And her friend, of course, does the talking and looks at me and says, she wants to know if you'll skate with her. And I'm like, like, whoa. So I did what any 11-year-old boy would do. I looked at my friend and I said, what do you think? Should I do it? And as he's looking at me, dumbfounded that I'm talking to him, I turn back and I see her and her friend skating off. Opportunity came. Opportunity went. I totally missed the opportunity to skate with the cutest girl in fifth grade. Now, this is obviously a silly, silly example. Didn't have a whole lot of bearing on the rest of my life, but you all get the idea. We all have these moments, right? These opportunities that come our way. Some of you are sitting there thinking about that investment that you should have made, that you thought about making, that job that maybe you should have taken, that relationship that you should have pursued a little bit more. We've all had these moments where opportunities come and we miss them. Today's text really is about divine opportunities, divine opportunities that are presented to us by Jesus himself. Now, this may come as a surprise as you look at the text, because some of you have heard this story your whole life. It's very familiar. Some of you have grown up singing a song about it, even with hand motions. The wise man built his house upon the rock. If you don't know what this is, don't worry. You're not like missing out on anything. But this is a song that a lot of us sang growing up in church. And so some of us, when we get super familiar with something, sometimes we just categorize it off in our brain and it loses some of the depth and the meaning that it has. And this text, at best, for some of us, is kind of a trivialized kid's song that we used to sing in our days in vacation Bible school. And at worst, for some of us, it's a message about works-based salvation and legalism. But today, I really want us to see it really is a message about divine opportunities coming to us from Christ. So let's, let's look at the text. It's Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 uh, through 29. Let's read it together. This is Jesus speaking, starting in verse 24. Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. But it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he had taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is the word of the Lord out of Matthew chapter 7. Now, what does this text have to do with opportunities? To give you some context, Jesus is wrapping up what for us is kind of the pinnacle of Jesus' sermons. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. If you've never read it, it's in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. I really encourage you to take some time, just go through it. Jesus lays out kind of what it looks like to live the Christian life, what it looks like to follow him seriously. And what Jesus is saying, he's looking at these people that are gathered on a hillside to hear him teach. We don't know how many people were there. We know that at least the 12 disciples, and it says a crowd. So we don't know what size that crowd was. But irregardless of the size of the crowd, if you consider the number of people that were there compared with all of humanity that has ever lived, it is a tiny percentage of the people that have walked the earth that got to sit at the literal feet of Jesus and hear his teachings coming out of his own mouth. What an incredible opportunity that must have been. So Jesus gets to the end of his sermon, and he does just like we do every Sunday. You know, at the end of our sermon, we try to bring it to the ground, try to make it practical and give you something to do with what we've just taught. And this is what he does. This is where he is when he gets to this part of the sermon. He says, hey, everyone listen to me. This is really important. You've just heard everything that I've said. You have had an amazing opportunity to hear the words from my mouth, to hear about a way of life that gives purpose and meaning. Don't miss it. He said, be like the wise man, seize this opportunity. Don't just hear what I'm saying, but go and do it. In other words, he's saying, listen, don't don't just hear me say, love your enemies. Go and love your enemies. Try it. Go do it. He says, don't just hear me say, you are the light of the world. And be like, oh, wow, I'm the light of the world. Go and be the light of the world. Don't just hear me say, give to the needy and think, wow, it's good to be generous. No, go, go and give to the needy. Now, this could be misheard, this message of, hey, don't just hear it, but go and do it. This could be misheard by some. The the message is not Jesus saying, hey, listen to my teachings and then perform them perfectly, and then I will take care of you during the storms of life, but only if you perform them perfectly. It's not what Jesus is saying. He's also not saying, listen to my teaching, then just agree with how you should live, and then I'll take care of you during the storms of life. So it is neither about us being perfect in order to ensure Jesus' protection, nor is it about us just agreeing with him and knowing how we should live. Rather, what Jesus is saying is this. He says, listen to my words and seize this opportunity to build your life on them. If you live according to my teachings, he says, if you will literally build your life on my ways, then the storms that will inevitably come in this life, they will not wreck your life. They will not crush you if you will build your life on me. Jesus is emphasizing the importance of hearing and doing, hearing his words, doing his words, putting them into practice. And he's doing this for the purpose of having a meaningful, God-reflecting, joy and peace-filled life in this current age, but also in the eternal age that is to come. One of the things that stood out to me as I I read this story again this week and tried to look at it with fresh eyes was that Jesus does not distinguish between the wise and the foolish man based on their house. 
He doesn't distinguish between them based on the work that they're doing. He doesn't say the wise man's going to have work to do and the foolish man's not. No, both of them have work to do, right? Both of them go and build a house. I think this is important because this act of building, it, it is working. It is, I think it is innate to what it means to be human. I think all of us are building something. This working that Jesus is describing, this building the house that the wise and the foolish man are doing, it is, it is the human's attempt to construct meaning and make purpose for ourselves in this life. It's our efforts to, to find fulfillment. It's our attempts to love and be loved in the context of relationships. It's our attempts to find stability and security in a world that feels so unstable and sometimes so insecure. All of us, all of us in here, all the people on that hill that day, we're all building something. doesn't matter if you're Christian or atheist or skeptic or seeker, young, old, rich, poor. All of us are building something in this life, trying to do the best we can to make sense of this life we've been given. What distinguishes the wise man from the foolish man was not the fact that they were doing work or the quality of their work or what they were building. What distinguishes them is what they're building on, where they choose to build. The problem for the foolish man is not that he was a poor carpenter and couldn't build a good house. The problem for the foolish man is where he decided to build his house, the foundation he chose for his house. So Jesus looks at his audience on that hillside and he says, look, some of you are going to build on a sturdy foundation and some of you will not. He says, everyone who hears my words, everyone who hears my words is either like the wise man or the foolish man. The wise man builds on the rock, this rock, a picture of stability and strength. What Jesus is communicating there is that his ways, his teachings, his way of life, he himself is like a rock, this solid foundation that does not change that you can count on. A friend of mine helped me see this week. He said, you know, the difference between a big rock and sand is that sand is actually made up of thousands and millions of little tiny rocks, Right? And here's the thing, as we try to build our lives, as we try to build purpose in this life, there are so many voices that we can listen to. There are so many voices that want to give us instructions on how to build our lives, how to, how to construct our lives. The problem is, as we build our house on the sand, on all those many voices, they are ever shifting, always changing. If you don't believe me, talk to your grandparents. Ask them what the voices were saying when they were in their 20s about how to make sense of this life about what things matter and what things don't. Every generation, the voices start changing. And 30 years from now, it's gonna be something different, something new. This is how you can make the most of your life. This is how you can find meaning. It's always shifting. The other problem that we run into is that some of us wanna compartmentalize our lives. We wanna say, hey, I like the idea of Jesus being the rock and I will construct my Sunday rhythm around Jesus being the rock. But there's other areas of my life that I'm not really sure Jesus knows what he's talking about. So when it comes to church and religion and what kind of practices I should have, I'll listen to him. But man, when it comes to my finances, I don't think Jesus was the greatest financial advisor. So it doesn't make much sense for me to listen to him. I'm going to build that part of my house somewhere else. So when, when it comes to my sexuality, this is 2,000 years ago. Surely Jesus was just a little old-fashioned. I don't have to build that part of my house on the rock. I can build that on a different rock. But Jesus says, no, listen, I am the rock. This way of life I'm giving you, it's stable. It's secure, it doesn't change, and it will encompass all of who you are. 
and your whole life, bringing you joy and peace and meaning and purpose and stability. And I will take care of you when your house faces the storms of this life. Build upon me. Build upon the rock. Now, I know some of you are going to sit here and go, wow, how can Jesus, how can he say that? How can I really believe that, that Jesus could claim, hey, my way is the way, I am the rock. Is that not a bit audacious of Jesus? In verse 29, we see kind of the response of the people that were listening to him. And this is deeply significant. Look what they say. It says in verse 28 that the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This word authority is really important. We looked at it last year in the Gospel of Mark as it came up over and over again. This idea of authority is the fact that when Jesus spoke, he, wasn't, he, he didn't speak from a place of having read a bunch of books on philosophy or reading what all the other rabbis or scribes thought at the time. When he spoke, it came from somewhere deep within himself. It came from him. Because when Jesus spoke, he didn't need anyone else to teach him what gives meaning, what gives purpose, because Jesus, the Bible will tell us, was God in the flesh, the Son of God. God, come near, Emmanuel, whatever you want to call it. That God came near in Jesus, and when Jesus spoke, it came with authority. And so his authority develops a solid foundation to build on. And it's okay if you're going, wait a minute, you just used the Bible to back up what the Bible says, that circular thinking, I, I know, I know. But if, if, if you're in that place where you're asking questions and you're seeking, the only thing I would ask you is this, like, just look into the ways of Jesus. Look into what he teaches. Look into the kind of life that he leads us to and see for yourself whether or not it's true. And if you need a safe place to journey and to ask questions about that, like this is, this is a safe place. We would love to journey with you as you ask questions about whether or not the rock of Jesus' teachings is really reliable and really trustworthy. But Jesus says, listen, everyone is building something. All of us are building. And I love this. It doesn't just apply to these people on that hill that day. It applies to all of us. Two times in verse 24 and verse 26, he says, everyone who hears my words, everyone who hears my words, you are gonna fall into one category, the wise man who puts it into practice or the foolish man who does not, the wise man who builds on the foundation of rock of Jesus or the foolish man who does not. I think all of us are trying to build something, right? Everyone in here? You know, I, I personally, I really want to build my life on Jesus. I'm not perfect at it. I'm not. I try. I try to build my life on Jesus. And I'm guessing that if you're here, if you're sitting in this room, you're at least curious. You're at least asking questions of what it looks like to build on Jesus. So the question Jesus leaves us is this. Listen, when you hear my words, will you make the most of the opportunity and put them into practice and build your life upon that foundation? And what we're going to do the rest of our time together is, is answer the question of how do we do this? You remember, we're in this series, Everyday Discipleship, and we've promised you to make it really practical. I could stand up here all day and talk about what it looks like to hear and to do and how we all need to listen to Jesus, but it's not going to do us much good if we wake up tomorrow morning and we don't know how to go and do it. So this morning, it's going to feel a little bit like we're shifting from like a sermon into a classroom or a workshop or like you're leaving uh, English literature and going into the woodshop. Um, this is intentional. I want to give you a tool to work with. And on your seats, you will have found this card that has this circle on the top of it with a bunch of words around it. At the very top, it says hearing circle. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right up front, this is just a tool, okay? 
This is, there's nothing holy or sacred about this. You're not, you're not gonna flip through your Bible and find a verse that says, thou shalt use the hearing circle. It's just not there, okay? This is, this is just a tool for you to use. However, like any tool, it's only gonna be useful if we use it, right? So if I give you a hammer, the, the nails that you need to hang pictures aren't gonna suddenly just drive themselves into the wall. We have to get that hammer out and we have to go and drive the nails into the wall. And so this tool is a tool that we can use to practice hearing the words of Jesus and doing them, putting them into practice. So what I wanna do the rest of our time together is just kind of walk around this circle, walk around the words that we see there. And the reason we're doing this, two weeks ago, you remember I stood up here I said, hey, in John 14, Jesus says his plan for the world is us. He says, if we will love him and obey his teaching, he will come and make his home in us. And that we can change the world together. When we talk about changing the world, I understand that might be overwhelming for some people. Like, ah, I'm supposed to change the world. I don't know if I can do it. This is how it starts. It starts as we simply start to pay attention to the words of Jesus in our life and put them into practice. It's super simple. So last week, Brandon said, hey, let's start with just scripture and silence. This week, he said, last week he said, hey, I want you to take time each day and just read scripture and practice being silent and then share with others what your experience was like. And this week, we want to take it a step further. We're still in scripture. We're still listening for Jesus, but now we want to practice doing it, putting it into practice. So at the top of that circle, you'll see an X and it says God moment next to it. The God moment is this significant moment where the words of Jesus intersect your very real and normal and everyday life. And just for a minute, let's, let's demystify this and make it sound totally normal. This is not this moment where you're standing on a mountain and the angels are flying around you, flapping their wings and they're hitting you in the face. It's like, no, this is totally normal. It's, it's, it's a moment where you're sitting and reading God's word and a verse for some reason jumps off the page and grabs your attention. God moment. Jesus' words intersecting your ordinary life. It's a moment where you're talking with a friend and they say something to you that lines up with that thing that that other person said to you and then lines up with that thing that that other person said to you. And you're going, wait a minute, there's something going on. God moment. Jesus intersecting your normal, everyday life. It is an opportunity. And here's the thing about God moments is that Jesus gives them to us all. The question is not, is Jesus speaking? The question is, when will we listen and seize the opportunity? God loves you. It doesn't matter if you're 10 years into your journey with Christ or if you haven't even started it yet. God loves you and he longs for you to hear his voice. He longs to speak to you. So question about the God moment. When, when does this happen? I've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but it is totally normal. But typical places where this can happen are time in the word. So reading the Bible. Brandon stressed being in scripture last week because we really do believe that God speaks to us through his word. Another common place is through prayer. Oftentimes we will hear from God in times of prayer, he will put somebody on your heart out of nowhere and you don't know why. Or sometimes you'll be praying for somebody and you'll feel like you need to tell them something and you don't know why. But the time in scripture and the time in prayer, those are the times when we tune our hearts to listen to God. This is, here's, a little, here's a little quip for you to remember. If we want to hear, we must tune our ear. If we want to hear, it's cheesy, but if we want to hear, we must tune our ear. And being in scripture and praying, those are the ways that we tune our ear to hear the voice of God. And when we begin to do that, you'll notice that you start hearing God's voice in the most random of places. It might happen while you're driving down the road and God puts a thought into your mind. 
Sometimes it'll happen while you're holding your child or hanging out with your best friend. And all of a sudden you start noticing that God really does want to speak to you in the most normal, ordinary parts of your life. So what is this? What is the God moment? What does it sound like? How do we know what to listen for? So I think there's two things you can listen for. When you're reading the word, when you're praying, when you're talking with others, when you're by yourself, two things you can listen for. Oftentimes when God speaks, it's one of two things. One is an indicative statement about who God is. An indicative statement is just something that indicates, okay? It's a statement that indicates something about God or something about you. It's an indicative statement that indicates something about God or something about you. So in other words, it's calling your attention to the goodness of God, to the faithfulness of God, to the strength of God, to the love of God, something calling you to keep your eyes on him. Or it might be an indicative statement about you, how much he loves you, how near you are to him, how dear you are to him, and how he is close to you and walking with you. Oftentimes, what I think we, we want, we get misunderstood because we want to hear from God, and what we think we're supposed to hear is God saying, hey, take that job, hey, marry that person, hey, move to this city. And oftentimes, all he wants to do is remind us of who he is, remind us of how good he is, and remind us of who we are because of Christ. So one is an indicative statement about him or about us. The other thing that we might hear is an imperative statement, an imperative statement from God giving us something to do. So yes, sometimes he does speak to us. And sometimes he calls us into action, into things that's very specifically that he wants us to go and do. So I want to give you some examples of these very real examples in my own life of where these God moments have kind of intersected with my life. I remember it was 2007. My wife and I were getting ready to quit our jobs. I was a, I was a therapist. She was a teacher. We were getting ready to move to the Northwest to try to plant a church. I was scared to death. I had a stable job, stable income. I'm getting ready to move. My parents think I'm nuts. Like some of my friends are actually trying to talk us out of it. And it was our last Sunday at our church in Arkansas and I'm scared to death. It was our time of communion. I opened up my Bible and my Bible just opened to Isaiah 43. In Isaiah 43, God just started speaking to me. He said, Aaron, I see you. I know you. You are mine. I will be with you. I am near to you. When you pass through the waters, they will not overtake you. When you pass through the fire, you will not be burned. You do not have to be afraid. I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel. I remember just sitting there like, oh, thank you, God. It was like this reminder that he had me. This reminder that he had me. And it gave me the courage to keep going towards what he had already called me to. So sometimes it's an indicative statement. I remember another time I was holding my son, not long after he was born, my oldest son. If you're a parent, you'll relate to this moment. I'm holding him, and all of a sudden, I'm just holding him close to my face, and I literally feel the bottom of my heart just open out, and I start to experience this depth of love like I had never known before. I'm like, wow, I didn't know I could love another human like this. And as I'm sitting there holding my son, just loving him, I hear this very still in very small voice, they just said, Aaron, that's how I love you. Aaron, as your father, that's how I love you. There was this reminder that I am loved by the God of the universe. And it was in the middle of one of the hardest seasons of my life. And once again, gave me the courage to keep walking with God. So God moments, a place where Jesus' words intersect our very real life. They happen in the word, they happen in prayer, they happen in normal everyday moments. So what do we do? What do we do when the opportunity comes? What do we do when the God moment comes? Well, that's what this circle is. So, so if you keep going around on that side of the circle that says hearing, you'll see the word reflect. Reflect. So what do you do? Well, first, you just notice it. 
You notice that God's trying to say something to you and you do something with it. So the first thing you do is you reflect. If it's, if it's a Bible verse, maybe it's a scripture that grabs your attention. Maybe it's something somebody said to you. Write it down. Write it down. If you, if you like to journal, write it down and reflect on your thoughts on it. But the goal of reflecting is to take time and camp out on the thing that God is saying to you. And your goal is to really answer this question, what am I thinking and feeling in response to this God moment? That's it. When you're reflecting, you want to answer the question, what am I thinking, what am I feeling in response to this God moment, to what God is saying to me? And here's one way you can do this really easily. You can cultivate this in your life. Every morning, if you will open up this word and read it, and ask God just to give you one verse. Sometimes we get caught up in reading two or three chapters. We don't know what to do with all of it. Read two or three chapters, but say, God, would you just let one verse grab me? And we've all had that experience. If you never have, if you'll read it, you will. I promise you'll be reading in that one verse. Makes you go, wait a minute, what? And you go back and you read it again. Like when you find that one verse, let that be enough. Write it down. And then throughout the day, reflect on why did that verse stand out to me? What am I thinking? What am I feeling in response to what God is doing? And as you reflect, pray about it. If you need time to reflect, maybe just turn off your radio in the car as you're driving and let that be time to reflect on the things that God has been saying to you. But reflection is just a time where we pay attention to what God is doing and we ask ourselves, how am I responding? What am I thinking? What am I feeling in response to this? So after, after reflect, you've had the God moment. You reflect on it. You keep going around that circle. You get to this word discuss. And whether we like it or not, the Christian journey is not a solo endeavor. It is so communal. It's so important that we have one another. And discuss, discussion is where we take what we've reflected on and we bring it to our community. So we take it to our roommate or we bring it to our spouse or our best friend or we come to our house church and we say, listen, I think this is what God's been saying to me. Will you talk with me about it? Will you help me discern? And, and listen, if we're, if we're really going to be a church where we do this with one another, it's important that we know how to catch the people that come to us with God moments. So if someone comes to you and says, hey, I think I'm hearing this from God, our job is not to say, that's silly, or that's crazy, you hear it from God. Our, our job is also not to say, hey, you better do it. God says you better go do it. Like that's not, we're not the cosmic police to enforce God's commands. Our goal as community is just to ask questions. So if someone comes to you and says, hey, I think God might be saying this to me in my life, then ask some good questions. Here, here's some examples of good questions that you can ask. You just ask, well, what, what's causing you to think that God's saying that in your life? What have you experienced? Why do you think you're having such a strong response to this thing that God is saying to you in your life? Why do you think God is saying to you, this to you right now in this, this particular time, this particular place? Do you have fear around what God is saying? Does it bring joy or does it bring hope? If it brings fear, why are you afraid? I mean, it's just conversation. It's just talking with one another about the things that God is doing. I think a great example of this is a young man that is a part of our Ethos family. He worships over at our Marathon campus. And um, I've been walking with him for, for a couple years now. And several months ago, like six months ago, he came to me and he started telling me, he said, I think God is trying to talk to me about finances. And I said, well, why do you think that? Just ask him a question. He says, well, I just, I'm always thinking about it. I have anxiety around money. I feel like I'm never going to have enough. My job is unstable. And I'm just really, I have a lot of fear about whether or not I'm going to have the money that I need in my life. And I said, well, what do you think God is calling you to? What, what, what do you think is going on there? And he said, I don't know. I said, well, what do you read in the Bible about finances? He said, well, I read that I'm supposed to be generous. I'm supposed to be generous, but I, I'm afraid to be generous. I'm afraid I don't have enough. 
I said, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk around generosity. And so we had discussion around it. And at this point, we began to walk around the circle. And I'll get to that in a minute. But it was just an easy discussion. And so as you make, as you notice these things, reflect on it. As you notice God speaking to you, reflect on it with yourself and then bring it to your community. Discuss it with them. And let's be a church that knows how to cultivate that in one another and ask questions and be good listeners. Once we've finished hearing, we've reflected, we've discussed, this is where most of us get caught up. Because in church, we love to be convicted, right? We love to hear from God. We love to think that he's speaking to us, but the place where we have the hardest time is actually doing something with what we're hearing. And so every day, real life discipleship looks like this. You go from hearing to doing, and if you wanna do that, you have to take what you've reflected on, what you've discussed, and you have to make a plan. And that's the next word that you see on that circle is make a plan. So if you've discussed it, make this plan in community with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers, with your roommates, your spouse, with your house church. Make a plan, and whenever you can, make that plan as specific as possible. So this young man I was talking to about finances, we kind of rounded that, that circle to get over to doing, and I just asked him, I said, hey, man, this is awesome that God's leading you this way. What are you going to do about it? And I wasn't trying to be a jerk, like, not at all, but this is what discipleship looks like. Discipleship is not mere hearing. It is hearing and doing. So I said, what are you going to do about it? He said, well, I guess I'm, I'm going to start being generous. He said, here's my goal. I'm going to start giving such and such amount of my income every month, even if it feels like I don't have enough. I'm going to start giving it away. I said, man, that's amazing. And I prayed for him. He made a plan and he took action. And here's what's so cool is that several months later, I'm still walking with him. And I just talked with him the other day. And he's like, you remember that conversation? I'm like, yeah. He's like, man, God taught me so much. He always provided for me. I always had what I needed. There were months that were tight, but I learned to trust God more. And this is what it looks like when we begin to take our hearing and turn it into doing. And so as you hear and you make a plan, be specific. If God puts somebody on your heart when you're praying and you're going, what should I do? And you reflect and you discuss with others, then maybe your plan needs to be, I need to go pray for this person. Or I need to ask this person how they're doing. I need to text them and let them know that God put them on my heart. Or if God is saying, hey, I want more time with you, then your plan just needs to be, okay, God, I'll take 10 minutes out of my day and I'll carve it out just so I can spend some more time in your word and cultivate my ear to listen to your voice. Make a plan. And then, of course, the very last step where the rubber meets the road is that we act on it. It's not enough to make a plan. We have to make, we have to act on it. We have to put it into action. Go and do it. And let's be accountable to one another in a healthy way. If someone comes to you and says, I think God's calling me to do this, and you help them make a plan, and then they act, ask them about it. Three days later, just say, hey, how's it going? You said you were going to start praying a little bit more every day. How's that been going for you? Let's talk to one another about our spiritual journeys. Let's hold one another accountable as we act on the things that Jesus is speaking into our lives. So Jesus looks at this crowd. He looks at us. He says, listen, everyone who hears my words, I long for you to build your life on the foundation of who I am. Let's be a church that builds our life on the foundation of Jesus by hearing his words when we come together, by hearing his words throughout the week, and then going and doing them, putting them into practice. I encourage you this week, continue with what Brandon gave you last week. So everyday discipleship, tomorrow. What do you do with this tomorrow? Tomorrow morning you wake up, Get your Bible, read scripture, practice silence. Take out this card 
And if you need to look at it to remember it, then start practicing this by looking at it. You don't have to have this card, but just start thinking through the lens of hearing and doing. This is what I've heard. What am I going to do? Now, we see this carried out several places in the New Testament. Like I said, you're not going to find the hearing circle in the Bible. I could give you several examples. I'll give you one quick one just so you see that we're not just making this up. You know, in Acts chapter 10, there's this really cool moment with this guy, Peter. He's praying on a roof and he has this vision And he sees it three different times, and it says literally in Acts chapter 10, it says he's sitting there pondering, he's reflecting, thinking, what does this mean, and what should I do about it? Literally in that moment, there's a knock on the door, and these guys show up, and they said, hey, uh, the owner of our home and the guy that we live with had a vision, and we're supposed to come get you and bring you back with us. He's like, all right. So he comes, and he goes to this guy's house, and at this point, the only Christians in the world were Jewish. None of them were Gentiles. This man's house they went to was a Gentile, and in that moment, God showed Peter and all those in that house that, they, that Gentiles were welcome into the family of Christ. Peter listened. He reflected. He had a team of people around him that all went with him. They could discuss on the way to Cornelius' house, and when they got there, they made a plan, and they acted, and it carried on and trickled down to the rest of the church, and they actually got together later as a church, and they discussed, and they made a plan, and they said, what is God doing? He's bringing Gentiles into the church. How do we handle this? Let's discuss it. Let's talk about it. Here's our plan. We're going to write a letter and send it out to all the churches. And before we know it, by the end of Acts, the good news of Jesus has been spread out all over the Roman Empire, both to Jews and Gentiles alike. Because Jesus' early followers chose to not just hear, but to go and do the things that God had called them to. This morning, I think it starts for us right here, right now. You need to know that this act of hearing and doing, it is not about perfection, okay? There are still gonna be places where we miss some opportunities and that's okay. It's not about perfection, it's about persistence. This is not a sermon about all your missed opportunities. This is a sermon about all the future opportunities that God wants to bring you. And this will not always take place in a matter of moments. Sometimes it may take a matter of months. But let's be a church that hears the word of God and then does it, puts it into practice. Right now, we're all, we're all gonna get up and go take communion and we have this cup, this piece of bread that reminds us of the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus. And right now, I encourage you, some of us need to take time this morning and just reflect on some of the things that God's been doing in our life. So I encourage you this morning, do that over, over the cup, over the bread. If you need to be alone with Jesus, then spend some time reflecting this morning. Some of us have been hearing some things from God and we need this time to discuss. So grab a friend, grab two, three, Get together and begin that practice of discussing the things that God is doing in your life. And if you need someone to talk to, we always have a team of men and women at the Respond Banner. Half of what we do up here at the Respond Banner is just listen to people's God moments and try to discuss them and pray through them. So I'm going to pray for us. When I'm done, let's all rise together, go take communion, and reflect and discuss on the things that God's doing in our life.